0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Roger's News.
1: Big Four Split, America's mysterious shoppers. Welcome back to the Views Room. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, a columnist of Breaking Views, coming to you from London. One of the big four accountancy firms could be headed for splitsville. Late last week, reports suggested that Ernst & Young, otherwise known as EY, was looking to break off its audit business from its consulting unit. It's an interesting idea and one that regulators and governments have long viewed as a means of reducing conflicts of interest and even avoiding busts like Carillion in Britain and Wirecard in Germany. The upside for the accountancy giant is creating a consulting business that could be worth $60 billion dollars if it were valued like $198 billion rival, Accenture. Plus, surging inflation is putting a dampening mood on US consumers, but not their spending power. Bills for restaurants and bars are up 20%. And although it would seem that such a rising tide should lift all ships, it turns out luxury brands like Tiffany and LVMH have more insulation than Walmart and Target. And that's because the latter's cash-strapped lower-income customers are opting for cheaper items and the companies are facing rising expenses. First up, my colleague Peter Thal Larson and I chat about EY's plan to hive off its audit practice from its faster-growing consulting unit. Next, Gina Chone is beamed in from Washington D.C. to talk about the mysteries of America's robust
0: spending power amid rampant inflation. Welcome back. It's Peter Thal Larsen here in London, joined by Amy Donnellan. Hi, Amy. Hi, Peter. Lovely to chat to you. And to you. And this week, we are talking about big news in the world of professional services, particularly accounting firms, because EY, one of the big four accounting firms, is apparently considering splitting its audit business from its consulting practice, which is something that I feel like we have talked about for years, and it's never actually happened. And now it seems to be happening. So why is that?
1: Yes, well, it was a very interesting situation because what we've seen over the past few years, there's been some big kind of corporate blowups, uh, Carillion in the UK, Wirecard in Germany, and one of the things that keeps popping up is that the auditors, you know, were asleep at the wheel; that there were conflicts of interest, there were issues basically with the auditors not scrutinising the companies enough and so one of the remedies that regulators have suggested and they haven't followed through with was was that they would break up these these big giants of accounting so they got audit businesses they got consulting businesses and they would kind of break the two up and hopefully that the focus of audit just pure play audit would mean that they were they had no conflict when when it comes to going for for a client and kind of the issue that the kind of context of this is how the regulators seem to think that these conflicts arise is that There will be a company, so let's say just a big corporate, global corporate, and let's say one of the auditors like KPMG has them as an audit client. And then they start to say, well, actually, you could do all this other stuff. We do cyber. We do kind of, you know, insolvency stuff. We do lots of other things. And by the time that this client has become so big to this accountancy firm, that then they are less likely to really go through the accounts of that business in a really kind of scrutinising way for fear that they would lose business. And yeah. That's, so that's big.
0: yeah. So that's that's always been the sort of the criticism, and obviously there's been various discussions about about doing that. I mean, as I recall, always resisted like crazy by the accounting firms. Right. They've always seemed to have sort of tried to try to stop this separation from happening. But now EY seems to be saying we're going to do this sort of under our own steam without someone putting a gun to a some regulator putting a gun to iad so yes. what's the what's the logic for them doing that
1: so they say that 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 kind of scenario that i played out for you they say that that is no longer the case and actually the audit business is really a drag on the rest of the consultancy business so they seem to suggest that what actually happens is that they could have a client that they're doing consultancy work for. They could be like the out, you know, outsourcing their tax business or IT services. And then they're sort of in a way, sort of forced to tender for an audit client, which is lower margin work. And they don't want to do that. They don't they want to keep the lucrative consulting business. But because of kind of regulations that have been created within the EU about having to rotate your auditor every 10 years, that this they are kind of in a way forced to do it. And by breaking themselves up, by splitting the two, they think that they wouldn't. The consultancy business could thrive. They could bid for any business they want and that there could be maybe EY is kind of thinking that there could be like a first mover advantage in this, because if they're all kind of thinking like this, then the others will follow and they may have got a bit of steam by uh, separating themselves out. and The consultancy business gets more business to start
0: off with. Yeah. And I mean, you you uh, you were crunching some numbers this week as to kind of what these various businesses might be worth I mean so talk us through a little bit what you what you thought this consulting business might be worth if it was uh, if it was listed or, or, or kind of they had a sort of private equity investor or something
1: absolutely so that's what the, those are the options basically they could list it or they or there's this is what the, the kind of reports are saying is that a private equity group could buy it so You could take basically EY's kind of global revenue in it's consulting and it's got another kind of transaction business that it's more kind of consulting and work in that. And then you look to a a giant in consulting like Accenture and they trade on four times revenue. So if you were to say then if you were to put EY's global revenue for its consulting business on that multiple, the business could be worth 60 billion dollars so that would be obviously huge in terms of uh, obviously a big listed there is obviously no listed consulting that had come out of the big four so far
0: yeah and this and this value would accrue to the current partners of EY, who i can imagine would be quite interested in that but Absolutely. i mean there is a there is a there is a but of course which is which is what happens to the audit business because i think it's the way i understand it is that the audit business would sort of stay behind as a partnership and keep going on a sort of independent basis but but does that then kind of somewhat become the sort of the poor cousin that nobody really wants to be be part of?
1: Yes. And that is certainly from from speaking to people in the industry, that is sort of the fear of this plan, is that when you, you know, these these big four accountancy firms, they attract a lot of really kind of top talent. Because the idea is you may not want to be kind of number-crunching audit accounts all your life, but you may come in as a junior auditor and look to a much kind of glitzier career in consulting, whether that be, as I said, something like cyber or insolvency work or kind of advising on corporate MA, that these are, you can really kind of, you know, flourish in a, in a much more interesting environment. But if you just have an audit business, it's very difficult, I think, to say to this top talent that this is all you're going to do, this is all we're going to do. And particularly if the other so you've got PwC and Deloitte as well and KPMG, if they don't do this, then they might be able to lower that talent more easily. So you could have this situation where in order to keep these auditors or in order to attract them, you have to pay higher salaries. You have to make it a more interesting career in that sense. And by paying higher salaries, that then would probably mean that the audits become more expensive themselves and then that's passed on to companies. So The kind of view is that there's sort of there's the winners of this could be the consultancy business in EY, and there would be very few few other winners.
0: Yeah, that's true. Although I guess I mean the the flip side to that argument would be, if auditing is so important and so valuable, then actually maybe it's high time that that companies paid more for their auditors and therefore got a better quality of audit from a group of people. Who do only that and aren't thinking, oh well, I can sell you some other services, or I can I can use this as a springboard for my career in 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 corporate advisory or tax advisory or or whatever it is. So yeah. I mean, in some ways, you could sort of say, well, this is sort of what the what the, the the various governments and the regulators who've talked about this kind of wanted to achieve. So maybe maybe we're now going to get a chance to see whether a separation would work.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean this is this is this would be the test case to see whether whether that actually happens or not. And and I would agree definitely that there is a there is a sense that if it was purely focused on audit, even if you did have to pay these higher salaries, there wouldn't be conflicts. There would be that's all they would be asked to do. They'd be asked to go through accounts and make sure that they understood what the business did and how much debt they had and all of the various things that that they seemed to miss in some of those corporate cases that I talked about those corporate yeah. busts.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will say, Amy, because I'm a little bit older than you are, I do remember EY selling a uh, sort of a, a tech consulting business many years ago, uh, in order to sort of concentrate on the core business. And of course, what then happened was they then grew a big consulting business. So maybe you might find that if you spun off a separate, you had a separate EY audit business, that in 10 years time, we would once again be having this conversation about how they've managed to, through their relationships, Grow all these other businesses, which are now creating the whole set of problems again, and so the cycle continues. But that's Amy, um, uh, this is really interesting. Uh, thank you, and 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 I guess we'll uh, we'll return to this story as we get more information. Right, right. Thanks, Peter.
1: Inflation is soaring in the US, which should be making people hold back and save their money, but that's not what we're seeing. Here to talk to me about is Gina Chan in Washington, D.C. Hi, Gina. Hi, Amy. Well, an interesting story. I mean, I think I guess why it's so interesting is we're seeing sort of inflation everywhere. And the U.K. is talking about a recession that's on the horizon. And I think that's because they probably think that the rising cost of things is just going to make people kind of cut back on spending. But I was curious just to see what what are your thoughts on what's going on in America at the moment?
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting phenomenon because the uh, prospect of a recession has also been widely debated here as well. And Americans are definitely feeling down about the economy. Consumer sentiment has fallen generally so far this year. President Biden's approval ratings and his handling of the economy is at, you know, record lows for a president in recent years. But The odd thing is that that hasn't stopped consumers from spending their money. And just with the latest figures out last week, the figures show that consumer spending actually rose almost 1% in April from the previous month. And that surpassed economic estimates by those pulled by Reuters and others. So we're not really seeing any pullback from them, despite, as you say, the rising costs and, and fears of recession.
1: So this is sort of interesting right because the companies that are involved that like basically service the consumers so the big retailers is this helping them because obviously they're dealing with very high kind of input costs that they didn't have before so whether that's energy or staff they're all kind of dealing with that so the fact that the, the consumer is out there spending does is that kind of helping them
2: well it's helping them mitigate some of the pressures that they are facing as you said the rising input costs amazon said that their incremental costs for the first quarter which included increasing transportation and freight costs wage costs that totaled about 8 billion in addition to other expenses so they're all definitely feeling the heat from that end and the interesting thing is though that sales has not softened walmart and target along with amazon were pretty upbeat about sales for the rest of the year so that's actually making sort of a, a bad situation for them in terms of rising costs not getting worse
1: so the other thing i guess to think about is the interest rate rises right so that's something that that, that you know Jerome Powell is doing quite quickly so if you're kind of seeing a situation where people are still outspending does that does that mean that he can kind of raise interest rates faster or does that does that impact that in any way
2: well they've been really uh, careful to not go sort of beyond what you know people would see as as an even more rapid pace they've kind of signaled uh, 0.5 percentage point rate hikes for the next few meetings which is definitely bigger than what they've done in the past but some are pushing to go even higher to tame inflation faster but they are worried about curbing growth and they feel like you know some of these steady sort of medium size hikes if you will may be sort of the sweet spot but the thing is if consumers keep spending like this and we see continuing you know covid-19 lockdowns in china the the war in ukraine has put a lot of pressure on food supplies and commodities in that space And these consumers who are still spending could throw that plan off because that will just make inflation worse.
1: Absolutely. So, yes, I mean, I'd say many countries are looking to the U.S., I guess, maybe hoping in a way that that's that's what happens with their consumers, that although they might have a kind of dour view on the on the rest of the economy, that they're still willing to spend. But, yeah, very interesting situation. And Gina, something I think we'll probably want to chat to you about again further in the future. Great. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tassick in London. Subscribe to the Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on a cast, megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. Check out our latest views and these stories and many others on BreakingViews.com and on Twitter, where our handle is at BreakingViews.